The first reading from Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love and with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Rejoining. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to be looking at the first two parables, because the third one we heard tonight is very similar to what I talked about last week, so I want to focus on the first two. I do want to let you know there is no shortage in the last 50 years of controversy on how to interpret these two parables. But when we go to read the Bible, it's not our job to worry about whether or not the right interpretation will cause someone else to be confused, or for them to abuse an interpretation. Our job when we come to scripture is, what does the Bible actually say? What does it actually teach? So our goal tonight is to see what the Bible's teaching is on what is this true treasure that's talked about in these two parables. The first one is the parable of the hidden treasure. It's very short, so we'll read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Now, in these kingdom parables that Jesus tells, I think he gives us huge clues whenever he tells it, because he gives us the key part right up front. The kingdom of heaven is like. Whatever comes after the like, that's the focus of that parable, and that's where you find the kingdom. Or, if you will, it's where you find Jesus. So in this first parable, what is the kingdom of heaven like? It's like hidden treasure. So the kingdom, Jesus tells us, is hidden treasure that is the hidden treasure is jesus 
We're told that a man realizes what he's found is worth giving up everything. He can't imagine he found such a great treasure, so he sells all that he has and he buys that field in great joy. Jesus is talking about himself. He says we need to seek and find him. Most especially in his words. At the end of this, there's that that weird part that I think people just kind of gloss over. He says, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. Now, the disciples, they fully understand. They said they did. He said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. He tells the disciples at the end, they're scribes. What do the scribes know? Scripture. And what are they to bring out of the scripture from the old and the new? They're to bring out Jesus to everyone. Right? In the Old Testament, if you've ever seen a mosaic, or maybe you've made one, mosaic, lots of little pieces of glass. In the Old Testament, Jesus is those little pieces scattered throughout. Then the New Testament, we get the whole picture, and we can go back and we can see it clearly throughout the Old Testament. In John 5, Jesus tells us, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it's they that bear witness about me. They are to search the scriptures. We are to search the scriptures and find who? Jesus. For us. He is the great treasure. Right to Matthew 5, we hear something similar. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What did you sing in the introit? Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. There is a call throughout the Bible that we are to seek the Lord. To find him our great treasure. Elsewhere, Jesus says we must take up our cross and follow him. We must be willing to give up everything, even our very own lives, to follow him. Luther puts it this way in the large catechism on the first commandment. We must be willing, because of our faith in God, to risk and disregard everything on earth. Everything. What Jesus is telling us is that when the kingdom comes, it inverts and subverts all the normal patterns of life. How do you think about your money? Your time? Your priorities? Your projects, your plans, your purposes, even, yes, the so-called American dream, all of that is subverted because Jesus wants us to think differently about everything. What is it that is really, truly important? What is it that matters? Jesus wants us to radically change the way we think about all of these things. He wants us to see that he is indeed the true treasure. Paul tells us this in Philippians 3. Paul says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss, as worthless, for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss, as worthless, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as garbage, as a dung heap, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Christ Jesus. Paul says, when you found him, you realize that everything else doesn't really matter as much as you thought it did. 
you can look at it and even say, in comparison to Christ, it's worthless. It's rubbish. It's a dunghill. All the things you thought were oh so important, Jesus comes and says, no, everything you need is found in me. Psalm 27, we hear the same thing. One thing I've asked the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing he says he's asked. Remember Simeon. We sing this on many Sundays, the New Demitus. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to thy word. Why? With his own eyes, he's seen the salvation the Lord promised he would see before he died. That's all Simeon had on his bucket list. That's all he cared about. If he could see Jesus with his own eyes, if he could hold the Savior, that was everything to him. And it happened. So where? Where does Jesus want to seek him out? Well, we've already heard one in his word. It's in his word in Holy Sacraments. In his word and his holy sacraments, that is where you will find Jesus for you. That is where you'll find his kingdom. That is where you'll find his gifts. You want Jesus and all his gifts, and you seek him where he may be found. And Jesus says to go and find it no matter what it takes and grab hold of it with joy. There are people in this world this weekend who will walk hours to go receive God's good gifts. They'll walk hours in the blazing sun, in the oppressive rain and storms. It doesn't matter. They're going to walk there. They're going to get there. Why? Because they know that's where Jesus is found for them. So they're willing to do that. There's a danger here for us, though. Luther, shortly after the gospel, goes throughout Germany. He goes around before he writes a small cag, and he realizes no one knows anything and no one cares. He's quite upset about this. He even tells them that they're treating this treasure that they've just been given like garbage. Like it didn't matter. Like it was worthless. Right? Jesus warns us about this in the parable of the sower we heard just a few weeks ago. C.S. Lewis puts the danger for us this way. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Lewis says our problem is that we're half-hearted and disinterested. We don't understand, and so we think these mud pies we're making in the slums are everything, and the Lord's saying, here's eternal treasure that you can have for all eternity with me. That's what I offer you. Come away from those things. Yet even the Christian begins to think, maybe, maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe he's not giving me everything I really want and need. Maybe he doesn't really have what's best in mind. Luther tells us that mammon, money and stuff, has been the top idol since the fall of man. That, too, we begin to think those things matter, that they're more important than Jesus, even. So Jesus warns us that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. 
Perhaps it's just pleasure itself. We want to feel good. Whoever makes us feel good, we think, is the top thing, the most important thing. Or perhaps we struggle with what our fathers in the faith used to call a kedia, sloth, a boredom, a disinterest in holy things. Yes, even Jesus himself. We're warned about these things. He just warned us in his parable just shortly before this to let us know that there are things that can keep us from seeking him and giving up everything to get that treasure. What he wants you to know is that he is indeed the greatest treasure and he explains why in the next parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. So on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, in the last one, if the kingdom of heaven is like treasure, and that's the kingdom, then here, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. It's like a merchant. This is different. The merchant is Jesus. Jesus is the one searching and buying in this parable. We heard this in Deuteronomy 7. The Lord, your God, who has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Here, Jesus is seeking and saving his true treasure, which is you. The Bible uses this language throughout of ransoming something, of redeeming something, paying to buy it back, to rescue and deliver it. So we confess in the small catechism. That Jesus has purchased and won us from all sins, from death and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his precious and holy blood. That's how he bought and redeemed you. We're told again and again, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. So Jesus came in the flesh to do what? To go on a treasure hunt. To rescue and redeem you. We often think when we think about Jesus seeking and saving, we think of the image of the Good Shepherd, which is good, it's in the Bible. There's another one that runs throughout all of Scripture. And it comes perhaps clearest in a weird place, the book of Hosea. Hosea is told that he has to go marry a harlot. And he does. And shocker, she's unfaithful. In fact, she ends up abandoning him completely. And in chapter 3, very short, beautiful chapter, one of the most beautiful in the whole Bible. The Lord goes to Hosea and says, go and buy back your wife. She's on the slave auction block. Go get her. Bring her home and make her your wife like nothing's happened. See, his marriage was a picture of what Israel had done to God. They had been unfaithful. They had worshipped other gods. And yet, what does God do? He was going to come and save them. Hosea goes and saves Gomer the harlot. He rescues her. He buys her back. Even though she had misused and abused and been unfaithful, he went and he got her back and brought her home and treated her like nothing had happened. And the Lord says, that's what I do for my people. That's what he does for you. That's how he rescues you. And you see, Gomer the harlot, she wasn't worth rescuing in of herself. We, in of ourselves, are not worthy to be rescued and saved. It's his love that makes you his treasure. 
You are not this shiny pearl of great value in of yourself. It's because he says love upon you. Again, Deuteronomy 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. Other places he tells them it's not because you were more righteous. But why? But it's because the Lord loves you. Because of his love. His love makes you lovely. And so he seeks you out and he purchases you. He buys you back. He rescues you. You, his people, are the pearl of great price that he goes and gives up everything. Paul tells in 2 Corinthians 8 that though he was rich, though he had everything he could ever want, he became poor that you might have in him the riches of God. It's an amazing thing. We sing this during the holy season of Advent from Paul Gerhardt. Love caused your incarnation, love brought you down to me. Your thirst for my salvation procured my liberty. O oh, love beyond all telling, that led you to embrace, in love all love excelling our lost and fallen race. The story of the Bible is our Lord and Savior going on this treasure hunt. The entire Old Testament, the New, our Lord is seeking and saving the lost. He is rescuing you. He is making you lovely by his love. Going back to Psalm 27, that's why the psalmist can say, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to your face, Lord, I will seek. Who else would we seek? Where else would we run to? What other treasure compares to Christ who has made us his very own treasure? There is nothing. And here and now, he's opening up the treasure chest and giving to you his gifts. And they're all for free. He'll even give you in a moment his very body and blood to eat and to drink. Love beyond all loves excelling. Amen. The peace of God passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.